0: Barkin Conversations, a podcast for electricians hosted by an electrician. The Electrical Association is committed to keeping electricians in the know about the latest developments in the industry. Experts will be on to help answer the tough questions, talk shop, and give tips to make your jobs work. Greetings. I'd like to welcome you to another podcast presentation of Sparking Conversations by the Electrical Association. I'm Mike Miller, your host. Once again, I'd like to thank you for joining this Electrical Association podcast for one of your sources for information for things going on in the electrical trade. I'd also like to extend a thank you to Federated Insurance for being our sponsor for this and many activities of the association. Today's presentation features an individual who works for MnDOT. I'd like to welcome to our microphone today Beth Calliston, MnDOT Principal Sustainability Planner. Beth, please give our listeners some details about your past educational experiences and your past and current roles with MnDOT as Principal Sustainability Planner.
1: Uh, hello, Mike. Thank you so much for having me on today. Um, I have been working in Minnesota in the environmental sector for about the past 25 or so years in a variety of roles in um, nonprofit, private industry, and uh, local government, and now state government as well. I've worked on water quality, climate action planning, and now kind of focusing on the electric vehicle infrastructure planning here at MnDOT.
0: You have a Quite some credentials there, Beth. So moving into the first question, I think it's a good time to kind of acquaint some of our listeners a little bit more with EV stations. Of course, many electrical workers have wired them, but some haven't. So if you could maybe explain the three levels and a little bit more about that, I think it'd be helpful.
1: Absolutely. So with electric vehicle charging, uh, there's sort of three levels of a type of charging station or charging opportunity. So the first is just a regular outlet. It's considered either a level one charger, sometimes it's called, or maybe a trickle charge. And that's essentially just a regular outlet that you can plug your electric vehicle into. And it takes quite a while to do the charge there, but it is an option. Very common to see around at Public charging options and uh, more common now in people's garages as electric vehicle owners are level two charging stations, and those could take anywhere from maybe two to six hours to charge a vehicle, depending on the type of vehicle and and, um, the capacity of the charger. And then there's the third level, which are considered the fast chargers. You might hear the term DC fast charger, direct current fast charger. And those range anywhere from a 50 kilowatt charge up to, some are going up to 350 kilowatts charging at a time. And so those are the ones that we're starting to see more of off busy roadways or in some other locations where people want to have a charge opportunity that's probably less than an hour or so. So if you think of it as um, kind of trickle, maybe a garden hose and then a fire hydrant sort of situation, those are the types of the kind of the visual analogies that we would use on the types of charging stations.
0: That's that's pretty interesting. You know, I, I, I've seen charging systems. We've actually, my company prior to uh, working for the electrical association, had wired different types, primarily the type two that you referenced. The larger ones hadn't hit the scene just yet. So I think this is interesting to know that that's the case. And, you know, it's something that will probably remain the same, but you anticipate yet a faster one than that coming up.
1: Yeah, I'm not sure it's a, it's a, Pretty rapidly evolving industry. I think there's some questions around, you know, how how much capacity the batteries have to take the charge that's offered, and then sort of what makes sense in terms of the power supply at the locations where the charging stations are. So we'll see um, where where things kind of shake out in terms of what's a common charging standard.
0: Okay. All right. Well, next thing we just like to visit about is can you explain federal funds coming into Minnesota and other states for EV charging? and what they're all about.
1: Yes, yes. So um, Minnesota and other states are receiving some dollars. So in um, November of 2021, Congress passed the Bipartisan Infrastructure Law. It's also called the Infrastructure Investment and Jobs Act or the IIJA. And that is providing infrastructure dollars for a variety of things, one of them being transportation. And so there's two buckets of federal dollars Coming specifically for around or, or that help with electric vehicle charging stations. So, one is the National Electric Vehicle Infrastructure Program, and that's the main one that I work on. We call it NEVI, is, is sort of the acronym for it. And it has dollars that go directly to the departments of transportation in the various states. To help implement the fast charging infrastructure. And then there's also some dollars that Federal Highway Administration is doing through a grant process. Those are called discretionary funds. um, And they just had a grant round for that earlier this year. Um, So there's those two areas under the NEVI program. There's one other program called the Carbon Reduction Program, and that is providing funds to states for a variety of activities from transportation that will reduce carbon emissions. And some of those dollars could be used for electric vehicle charging stations as well. Those are basically through local units of government, metropolitan planning organizations, and and MnDOT is working on developing the funding structure and approach for that. Um, That's also through the office that I work in in sustainability and public health at MnDOT, but a a different staff person is focused on that. So those are the primary bits of federal money. Um, In Minnesota, we also have, uh, and, and other states, Dollars a uh, trust from the Volkswagen settlement um, and the Minnesota Pollution Control Agency here in Minnesota that are called also called the MPCA, they administer uh, grant dollars and support through that program. And so they've had a few different rounds of grant opportunities over the past few years on that. And I believe they have one more that will be coming within the next few years to help to get charging stations as well as some other options out into the communities.
0: Beth, clean energy demands are being voiced from every walk of life, and it appears electric vehicles are becoming one of the popular choices. News stories daily share concepts about challenges to replace gas guzzlers with electrically powered equipment. As principal sustainability planner for MnDOT, what can you tell us about the job opportunities associated with and the transition to electrical vehicles to clean up our environment?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. Um, well, the, the NEVI program does have some specific language around workforce development, as do some of the other programs through Department of Energy and, and others that are funded through this um IGA. Program So really for around the clean energy economy and specific to electric vehicles, there are a lot of needs and and opportunities. A key one is for um, electricians to install and potentially provide some maintenance on electric vehicle charging stations. There are things, uh, opportunities around the construction aspects, so concrete, paving, landscaping. I've heard that from some of the community colleges and other training programs, there's a need for instructors Especially uh, technical instructors, both around the vehicle maintenance uh, as well as the charging station maintenance. There are customer service opportunities from the charging station vendors because they're all going to have to have uh, essentially eight hundred numbers that people can call into if they need support. There's the assembly of the charging stations. There are a few manufacturers in Minnesota right now that are do charging station assembly. There's site design and development. Uh, There'll be financing, data management, and then, um, very importantly, also electric vehicle sales and the repair at the dealership. So, a whole lot of opportunities.
0: Okay. Well, I understand there was recently adopted a federal EV station standard for charging stations. So, the standard must be followed for all stations that are using federal funds. I also noted one of the requirements addressed a need to have qualified technicians involved. Beth, can you tell us what these standards are focusing on, specifically requisites of a qualified technician?
1: Yeah, so this is where it gets a little bit kind of legalese or or rule language, but um, with, so Federal Highway Administration adopted some rules for electric vehicle standards with federal dollars, so the the it's in Chapter or Title 23 of the Code of Federal Regulations, and it's Section 680. Um, and then there's some other sub-numbers that um, define a qualified technician. And so there's essentially what it, it, it says is that the states need to ensure that the technicians that are installing the charging stations are either have certification through what's called the Electric Vehicle Infrastructure Training Program or EVITP, or they can have graduation, uh, they need to be graduated or continuing education certificate from a registered apprenticeship program for electricians that includes charger specific training that meets some national guideline standards developed by Department of Labor and, and Department of Transportation. So for the EVITP training program, uh, that would be existing licensed uh, or certified electricians, depends kind of how the states define those. It's a 20 hour course. And it is offered online by a, a third party entity. And I believe there's some offerings that are starting to happen in Minnesota through some registered apprenticeship programs. But the online version, it's evitp.org is the organization. And per their website, it's uh, a $275 course that an, a person who wanted to get certified could take. But again, you do need to already be an electrician. It's not just somebody off the street that decides they want to get into this business and just takes the 20 hour course.
0: Well, that makes a lot of sense. So just to kind of capsulize what you've just said, so our listeners are very clear on it. You still have to be a registered licensed electrician in the state of Minnesota to be installing them. But in addition to that, if I'm hearing you correctly, then I would also have to participate or complete the, the uh, EVITP program as well for understanding the total intricate elements of charging stations. Is that correct? Uh,
1: yes, if, so if um, you want to be part of a project that, that is using these federal dollars, you would need to have that or basically be able to provide MindA with um, documentation that you have some other this other certification or other training that um, was approved through Department of Labor. As, as the rule states. But if you are installing charging stations just at people's homes or in other situations, you that's not necessarily a requirement. It really depends on what the source of the funding that's supporting the station is coming from.
0: And that makes sense. And the reason I ask that is certainly to ensure our listeners that, that you do want to have that certification on that. I think it's probably a valuable thing to have simply because if you've looked at uh, electrical vehicle charging systems, they started out with uh, the NEMA 515 plug and charger and you were done, that's it. They're much more sophisticated, I can assure you of that, and I think that training would be very valuable. So moving on to the next question here, uh, job opportunities for electricians, you mentioned a whole host of them, that really does sound inviting. So. I understand that already in the state of Minnesota we have 40 certified electrical contracting firms that uh, have passed and created or have been approved by uh, EVITP as certified. Is there enough room for with the demand to actually get a whole lot more contractors in that because 40 guys installing that sounds like a lot but and I think at 86 million dollars that does kind of offer a lot more than 40 persons or 40 uh, 40 companies are going to be able to accomplish in the time frame you've set out? How does that work?
1: Uh, great question. Yeah. So right now with the NEVI funds, um, we actually have $68 million over five federal fiscal years to support the installation of charging stations in addition to, uh, that, so that's the federal portion of the dollars, um, and that'll be 80% of the cost. And then there's a 20% match requirement. So that bumps us up somewhere to around 86, 87 million, depending on, on what what they end up costing. So we are probably looking at eight, 16 to 18 stations in our first round of investments, and then we'll um, we'll see what's left and, and how far we can go with that. Um, so in terms of uh, certified firms, there are, I would anticipate that there are probably enough for that first round of investments, but we know we are not the only entity that is working to try to install charging stations. And so- I think there's definitely opportunities um, and for installers um, around the state. I, we had some conversations around the state earlier this month, and there's definitely interest in in all parts of Minnesota to be able to have these charging stations. And so, I would I would encourage um, folks who are interested in in learning more about it to consider getting getting certified to be able to work on those stations.
0: Super. One thing I can tell you, and you're probably aware of it, is electricians are are sometimes tough to find, and this would certainly be a... They would certainly, if they're interested in becoming involved in it, uh, they should get their name on the list and start moving forward on it. So looking at our next question, Beth, of course, all electricians in Minnesota supplying construction services for typical fuel stations have to be licensed. And I know we had already addressed this, but, but just another quick one to kind of pigtail off of that. For electrical contractors interested in finding site host installer teams for the D.C. fast charging stations shop Minnesota's MnDOT coverage area, how would we sign up for that? Or how do we find out about becoming a member of that interested partners list?
1: Yeah, so we have on MnDOT's website, we have an electric vehicle infrastructure plan webpage, um, And it sounds like you all will be able to put a link to that in the Um, in the podcast notes on your website. And on, when you get to that page, on the right side, there's a sidebar that has an area called important links. And from there, you can see a line that says fast charging interested parties sign up. And that will take you to a very short form where you can Put in your information about your business, uh, you know, business name, address, contact name, phone number, email, and then once a month we are updating the list. So we take all the people who have asked to be added to it, and we update an Excel spreadsheet that is on that web page with the contact information for all the interested parties on there. So there are electricians on there, there are charging station vendors, there are interested landowners, site hosts, uh, retail businesses, things like that, who want to be part of a team to bring forward an application. And so if anyone is interested in having their their name or business added to that list, you can go ahead and do that. And we update the list once a month around the 15th of the month. Uh, We are not actively then connecting people. So we do rely on, if you're interested, you need to then go and look and see who else is on there and contact them directly.
0: Boy, you folks have done your homework. That sounds (laughs) like it's going to be actually easy to jump into this situation. Uh, our next question is, is kind of a neat one. And sometimes it, it's a little controversial. But uh, as you know, DC fast charging won't be here tomorrow or even next year. And this gives us some time to prepare for its coming. But do we or will we have the electrical generating capacity and transmission infrastructures in place to support this massive demand for electrical energy when it's needed?
1: Yeah that's a good question and and you'd be surprised there are actually more stations I think out there than than people realize there's a great um Department of Energy website it's called the Alternative Fuels Data Center and people can look up charging station locations there and there are some other different apps that, that you can you can look up where stations are. But in terms of the charging capacity, it we've had some conversations with utilities and I think, you know, I don't wanna don't want to put words in their mouth and speak for them too much, but I think for the stations we're looking to install on Interstates 94 and 35, we're fairly confident that that, that capacity is going to work. And I know the utilities are trying to understand how this is a different EV charging demand is different than a standalone building that, you know, has regular operating hours and things like that. So they're, they're all trying to assess right now what the demands are going to be and working on infrastructure upgrades. And there's separate uh, federal dollar support for the, the grid infrastructure upgrades to some extent, at least that will be needed. But yeah, you maybe, maybe you can get some folks from the utilities on for a separate conversation and dig into that some more.
0: Well, that would certainly be a wise idea. And I know it's a little tough in your position to answer questions on their behalf, but I think you've done well to let our owner or excuse me, our listeners know that it's certainly something that you're just not going out there blindly and saying, Yep, we're gonna do it and it's gonna work without a little bit of thought concerning Where is that energy coming from? Because as we know, the opponents have certainly hammered on that concept as well to a point where some people don't believe it's possible. But, you know, I I think it is. And I think when people realize the benefits of it and uh, what it does for the environment, it's going to be a worthwhile effort. So moving on, let's take a look at another one I've got here. So we know the state of Minnesota derives a significant amount of revenue from fossil fuel sales. Can you share with our listeners how the conversion to electrical energy for transportation will create an equal tax revenue for all motorists? Of course, some perceive that the smaller user will maybe pay more than their fair share. How do you look at that?
1: Yeah, so I'll do my best to try to answer this. Um, This is something, you know, where the dollars are coming for funding transportation is something um, that MnDOT has been working on and continues to work on in in collaboration with the legislature. Uh, We did just post a kind of an updated fact sheet on our webpage to try to answer some questions about the transportation funding mix, but I'll try to Answer this succinctly. There, there are different um, tax and fee structures in different states for how they're making this transition to electric vehicles and and how those fees are going to work. But basically, in Minnesota, we have three sources that provide dollars for transportation funding right now. There's the motor vehicle sales tax, there's the annual motor vehicle registration taxes, and there's the motor fuel excise tax, or the gas tax, as we would call it. And so. Currently, fuel taxes are the largest source and they make up about 45% of total transportation revenue in Minnesota. The motor vehicle sales tax and registration taxes are based on the value of the vehicle. And right now, that's often higher for electric vehicles than for internal combustion engine vehicles. The um, battery, the straight battery electric vehicles, also pay an annual $75 registration tax above what. Other vehicles would pay. So, since EVs don't pay that gas tax, you know, there's a lot of questions about about this. But we have a few. There's a couple tables, and I won't try to describe it here for the podcast. But on that fact sheet, that shows some sort of comparisons between the revenue from electric vehicles. And to to that highway user tax distribution fund and the internal combustion engine vehicles. But essentially right now, as the price of EVs is is higher, the revenue is actually a little bit more from the electric vehicles. As prices start to change, or if internal combustion engine vehicle costs are different, that could change the situation. So I think it's something that is a, a work in progress, but that's the information that we we have available right now.
0: Okay. Well, it looks like you've got a good handle on that as well. <laughs> that's always something I've wondered: how in the world are we going to make that equitable? Because it, right now, we pretty much make a reasonable assumption. When I fill up my vehicle, most that, or a good portion of the taxes is making our highways beautiful and drivable, which I got to say I do appreciate. And that being said. What are you going to do with vehicles? I mean, you're going to charge them a kilowatt hour, a, a surcharge on that for a mile. You, uh, yeah, it's a tough one. I'm glad you're looking into it. I think
1: it's it fair for everybody. You know,
0: <laughs> the fact that you've got the legislature looking over your shoulder, it's going to be, it's going to have to shine or it's going to get polished till it does. And I think you'll get the job done. So moving on to our next one, just looking into the future, Beth, where do you see MnDOT with this massive conversion to electric vehicles in about three years or so?
1: Yeah, so right now we are really focusing on getting this the Nevi program set up. It's different than types of projects we've done in the past and that we're working with private entities to, you know, design, install, operate, and maintain the station. So taking a little bit of mechanics to, to get that set up and in place. And we'll be doing an application process hopefully this fall to start to to launch that. Um, so really focusing on those DC fast chargers. Along those those um, two primary alternative fuel corridors right now, I 94 and 35, and then we'll see you know how much more we can do from there. As I talked about a little bit before, looking at how we are dispersing some of the carbon reduction program funds. Again, also that's also federal dollars, and and helping to support various community charging stations where there's there's interest there. And then the last piece is really just looking at how we transition our own fleet of vehicles to lower zero carbon vehicles over time. Um, You know, we have a lot of light duty vehicles within MnDOT, and so we're continuing to to evaluate that and, and our charging needs for those vehicles as well.
0: Great. Okay. Beth, is MnDOT hosting any public forums or meetings to continue to spread the word for all to gain more knowledge on this exciting project?
1: Yeah. So on that um, electric vehicle infrastructure plan page, that is a great place to go to to learn more about what we're doing. We are planning to have, as I mentioned, a competitive site application request for proposal process sometime this fall. And we will be putting out information on that page. And if you can sign up, on that page for updates. That's a great way to, to know what's going on as well. We're anticipating doing at least one uh, webinar virtual information session to talk about the site application process as well as to um, have some opportunity. There'll be probably at least a two-week window, maybe more, where applicants could submit questions and then we'll respond to answer a whole bunch of them. So there'll be a QA piece on that page. But I would invite people to go on there and take a look around and, and look at read the plan that's on the page if you're interested. We've also added an online mapping tool if anybody wants to take a look at the potential areas that we're considering. We didn't really dig into that a whole lot today, but if you want to look more at the the Sort of clusters, as we're calling them, of of potential locations and where those could be. That online mapping tool link is also on that web page.
0: I did look at that, and that is neat. There's a lot of them. I'm impressed.
1: Yeah, there's really uh, nice. There's about uh, well, right now uh, we're we're just making some proposed updates. We do an annual plan update every year now for this project to federal highways, and we're we're proposing going from fifteen clusters to eighteen to make sure we get the coverage that we need to meet the rule requirements. And our hope is to have one at least one viable site that we can we can pick within each location to meet the the Nevi rule standards.
0: It looked to me like about every sixty-seven to seventy miles they had one. Does that sound correct? It's
1: actually fifty miles is the cutoff. So okay. we need to, but we try to um, pick exits. So right now, what we have is um, exits identified, but we do not have specific locations. So that's where we need to get to in this next phase with the site application. And there's about a little over fifty, I think, exits there.
0: Wow, that should do the job, I would think. So here's a basic question some of our listeners may be curious about. If an individual were interested in asking a few questions about MnDOT's collaboration with the National Electrical Vehicle Infrastructure Program, how would they do that?
1: Yeah, so the best, again, the best place to go is is to our Electric Vehicle Infrastructure Plan webpage. It's part of our Let's Talk Transportation series of webpages on the MnDOT site. I, you can also email me directly, um, and I have a big, long email, but I'll, I'll um, spell it out for you. It's E-L-I-Z-A-B-E-T-H dot C-R-O-T-E-A-U dot K-A-L-L-E-S-T-A-D at state.mn.us. I will do my best to get responses out within a few days to folks. We do get a lot of inquiries, so um, please be patient.
0: Well, I think they will. Well, Beth, your position and responsibilities are extremely interesting and it has been most kind of you to share your views and perspectives of what Mindat is doing to preserve our environment. And I'd like to also say on behalf of the Electrical Association, I'd like to commend you and thank you for your efforts. And so another program draws to a close. I'd like to thank our guest, Beth Callisted, for taking time out of her busy schedule to share with our listeners information about Mindet and the National Electrical Vehicle Infrastructure Program. Thanks much, Beth. Are there any final messages you'd like to leave with our listeners?
1: Uh, Thank you so much for having me today. And again, you know, encourage folks to look into getting that EVITP certification so you can help us build this infrastructure that we need.
0: You couldn't have said it any better, Beth. Thanks again. So I'd like to thank our executive producer, Katie Grahams, for her work behind the scenes to make this podcast happen. Also, again, a big thank you to Federated Insurance, who sponsors this presentation. With that, I wish you all safe travel until you join us again for another Electrical Association Sparkin' Conversation. I'm Mike Miller. Good day. American Conversations was a production of the Electrical Association. For more information, visit www.electricalassociation.com.